Hi, I'm Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Oilers. And my definition of relentlessness would be pursuing what you want and refusing to take no for an answer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Relentless Podcast. I am very, 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 very excited for today's guest to come and talk about uh, his career. If you live in the Edmonton area, Northern Alberta, truth be told, if you are an Edmonton Oilers fan anywhere in this world, I've got a big, big Oilers fan in Belfast, Northern Ireland, uh, you know this man, you know this voice. We are so excited to have the play-by-play radio play-by-play for i'm gonna say i think it was 11 years and now the tv play-by-play for the edmonton oilers mr jack michaels welcome to the relentless podcast it's so good to have you kyle appreciate you having me on it's been a while and uh i'm glad we were able to make this work as we're uh off and running here i was just just talking to you less than a week i'm back at it back on a plane and uh back covering hockey so uh we'll start with the rookie camp in penticton and go from there looking forward to it well i'm i'm thrilled that you're here jack you and i uh i'm gonna i'll fanboy out with you a little bit later but you and i met uh last year at the you can youth services comedy nights you and your uh your bud louis debrusque came to our event with uh, what I would consider competition, Ryan Rashog from TSN, since you guys... Yeah, well, we don't consider Ryan competition. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, I get it. Uh, I get Rashog's it. a good buddy of mine, and, and you know me, Kyle. I don't go anywhere in the city without Louie. I mean, That's I might right. as well be the safest broadcaster as home, as well as on the road, right? Absolutely. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I got a buddy like that, too. His name's Davey, and I always say, I'll walk into any bar in the world and lip somebody yeah. off with him, you know? Yeah, I can raise Kane, and, you know, who's going to do anything? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I agree. But, no, it was good. You guys came out to our event with Ryan, and, and you guys were very generous with uh, with uh, actually giving up a little bit of time for a, uh, an auction item that we did there, and we raised some money for the charity I work for, so I appreciate it so much. Hopefully, you guys are going to come out again this year. I know you all had a blast, and and I, I was so happy because at the end, you know, you were there with your wives, and you guys were buying relentless merchandise, and it was just it was cool, and it was good to meet you guys. And of course, me being the way I am, and I'm a relentless guy, I said I'd love to have you guys on the podcast, and you said, yeah, let's do it. And and uh, the season, the hockey season was still going. You got through playoffs, and I know you you travel quite a bit in the summer, so it's good to have you here. Uh, we're going to do some chatting about you now. Let's, Jack, you are, I, I, we've done a little research on you. Um, very interesting career that I want to get into, but you are, uh, originally, I'd, I'd say most people that know of you or listen to you because you talk about it, um, on the broadcast, you are American. Yeah. You are from Pennsylvania. Talk about where you're from. Yeah, I'm, I'm from a little section of uh, northwest Pennsylvania called Meadville. There's a college there called Allegheny College that's, you know, one of those liberal arts schools in the northeastern section of the United States that's been around 200 years. My dad was an English professor for 43 years. Uh, and, and just to give people an idea, you know, Pennsylvania is kind of a, a square block of cheese. And, and I'm on the western side, on the Pittsburgh side, and then uh, the eastern side is a is kind of a completely different part of the country, even though it's the same state. I mean, I I don't you know I don't even know. I, I guess Edmonton and Calgary. There's some parallels between Edmonton and Calgary, Pittsburgh and Philly. Uh, the geography is a little bit different. The 
certainly the accent is different on the Philly side. And and so I identify, I identify as a, a Western Pennsylvanian, much as, you know, people who live here uh, would say they're Edmontonian, not, not necessarily Albertan, especially if they want to distinguish themselves from a Calgarian. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of football in Western Pennsylvania. I was, I was watching, uh, you know, the opening night game, I don't know where this airs, but, uh, you know, I watched a little of the Kansas City game. And, uh, you know, we're football first and foremost. But when when the Penguins drafted Merrill Lemieux and they started to emerge just as the Steelers kind of went downhill a little bit in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, you know, the, the Penguins became the hot ticket in town. And, and my interest in hockey elevated. There was a Hall of Fame announcer by the name of Mike Lang that did Penguin games. And legendary, I was kind of fascinated. Legendary Mike Lang. Yeah, exactly. Scratch my back with a hacksaw for the casual fan. <laughs> they might recognize, you know, you know, upstairs where mom puts the cookies and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah. but, you know, that obscured what, what was a great Hall of Fame career and an ability to master the language to the point where he could rattle off. I mean, you remember the hockey in the 80s. I mean, you, you'd sometimes go eight, nine, ten minutes with no stoppages. There were no dump and chase. It was free-flowing. Yeah. And I was always fascinated by the fact that he could weave 10 to 15 minutes of uninterrupted play-by-play -play with the world's best athletes, never a stumble, always, you know, lucid and and – you know, made sense in his commentary. He was he was a real master and had a great voice. So that kind of combined with my own, you know, futility on the athletic playground uh, led me to pursue a career in sports, even though I had uh, nowhere near the athletic talent to forge one as a player. I, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm most interested in sports, like George Costanza. If it's not about sports, I have trouble concentrating. <laughs> so let me find a way to remain in this field uh, as a uh, non-playing participant. Get paid, for, get paid for doing sports. Now listen, you jumped ahead on me here because I did a little research on Meadville. Yeah. And uh, What did you come up uh, well, with? Well, I'll tell you what Aaron I came Stone. up with. I came up with this is, uh, <laughs> This is what I can remember uh, from the, the Wikipedia pages. It's a small place, about 12,000, 13,000 people. Used to be 20. Used and, to be well, 20, but yeah, we've lost the, the population. Probably in the heyday of the thing that it is very well known for because there was a time that Meadville was responsible in making 7 out of 10 zippers in the world. Yes. That, Talon. Yeah, Talon. Talon. The Talon Corporation. And so, yeah, and, uh, and in 1968, it got sold. It went from 70% of the market down to 35. It struggled. Anyways, I read all about it. And I, I went down this rabbit hole on zippers. Last yeah. night, as I'm reading the research on you, and I'm like, I could not get enough about zippers. And I'm like, that is so unique and kind of cool. It changed the yeah, world. As my dad says, I, I moved to Meadville in 1972, and almost instantly the town started to plummet. <laughs> and uh, he's not that far off. I mean, it, you know, it was, like I said, I mean, it was 20,000 people. At, at Zippers was yeah. the driving force and, and absolutely the town. And, and a lot of towns like this, I mean, there's a reason that part of the country is called the Rust Belt. And, and, and it really did... It was, you know, Pittsburgh, the steel industry, that 60s and 70s hit 
hit the Northeast hard. And that's where the population migration started to go to the Southeast and the Southwest of the United States. In the United States. That's what triggered everyone going to Florida, everyone going to the Southwest, everyone going to Arizona. I mean, you know, right about then, the Dolphins got a football team. I mean, it was just, that's the way stuff started to happen in the United States. And it was because of factories like Talon that closed up shop and moved overseas for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And and we also have a pretty thriving industry called the tool and die industry. And, you know, we're still kind of known as the tool and die capital of the world, the tool city. Uh, So that's the, the last industry that's still in the town, but no question it was hit pretty hard, but, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought you were going to sh- say Sharon Stone because that's uh, that's by far and away the most uh, prominent in the entertainment field that have come out of Meadville. She was, I believe, Miss Crawford County, 1976 or 77. So that, uh, you know, when I was growing up and, you know, people were going to see stuff like Sliver and Basic Instinct, uh, I could proudly say Sharon Stone was from my town. You know what's amazing? (laughs) That is definitely not the top of the list on the uh, Wikipedia page. It's all about zippers. It's all about about zippers. I didn't even get to Sharon Stone because I went down this zipper. That's hilarious. I didn't even know that. Well, look at that. Well, you know what? There's also a porn star apparently from Meadville. So, Uh you know. I, 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 that's, that's where I think that's, that's not, that's not, that's not you. No, 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 not as far as you know. <laughs> um, but the, the, uh, list of prominent personalities, I think there's a porn star. Well, I like so. that. I like that. It's Sharon Stone, a porn star and Jack Michaels. Yeah, there we go. It. I think there it's great. Go. You know what? No, it's interesting. We, we, we I won't, I just love bringing up the zippers with you. And I, I really, in looking at the pictures of the town, as a, as a, and listen, you've lived here now for, for years and years. So you get Edmonton, you get Canada, even the history of America. And, a, you know, you're that part of the states is just, there's so much history and it's, you know, the, 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 these towns and these places were founded two, three hundred years ago where we don't have that type of stuff here, obviously. So I do, I just have this vision of you growing up in this quaint little place with, there was just such beautiful pictures. It just sounds, it sounds pretty good, man. It sounds pretty good. Now we had our bicentennial in uh, 1987 and uh, yeah, I mean, I I still remember it, it, you know, in terms of the town, uh, the country obviously was 11 years earlier, but um Trust me, I, I I think you're I think you're overselling it a little bit. I, I appreciate <laughs> it, but it's a it's a good place to be from. I still enjoy going back there. My parents have lived in the same house since 1978. We've got an unbelievable sub shop there. I mean, people, you know, that the, the people that live and die with Subway. I'm like, oh my god, we we don't know what a good sub is. I... Uh, we, yeah, we we've got good subs, good pizza, good chicken wings, very good chicken wings. Uh, um, but a- outside of that, I-, I think you're scrambling a little bit. And the one thing I will say is, um, and we were talking about how there's an identity on the western side of the state, identity on the eastern side of the state. I mean, that's one of the things that you know I really love about living here. As you said, I've, I've been here since 2010, and the reason I I really like Edmonton as a city is because of its sense of identity and because of the fact that most people who live here, uh, you know, were born here and and have a certain like, 
hey, if you're going to complain about the weather, you know, I can show you where the airport is. And I, yeah. I find, you know, it's real natural for me. And the Battle of Alberta for me has has moved and and evolved a little beyond hockey in the sense that I really think there is a significant difference between the cities. And I'll say this, I find Calgary a little like Dallas, a bit of a transient place yeah. where I don't know a lot of people that are born and raised in Calgary. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I, I think that's why Edmonton has such a fierce following is because I find, you know, in Edmonton, there's nothing but Edmontonians. In Calgary, there's a lot of people from different parts of the world, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not necessarily knocking it, but I personally like being in a city where the people do have some history in it mm. in the sense they've lived here for 40, 50 years. Well, and it's comparable to, I mean, if you want to talk football, it's comparable to places like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia where these teams have been around forever, and these people that were born and raised in those communities, it literally becomes like it's part of your DNA. Like yeah. I, I was raised now. My uh, obviously the Oilers came. I think what 1979. My fam, my dad was a hockey guy. My mom was not. We became hockey fans. And I mean, I, I feel like I was raised. I was born in '73, but I was raised by my mom to hate the Calgary Flames. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like that's and I like that. I yeah. I, I, I like it. I like yeah. being part Nothing of that. Wrong with a little hate. I, I, I like I, being part of that culture. Yeah. You know, like yep, of of exactly. just. Your team, you know, my, my oldest boy, hardcore Oilers guy, he's always like loyal to the oil, loyal to it. He says he's going to get that tattooed on his back, loyal to the oil. And, and I love that. And I think that that's similar to where you would have grown up with, yeah. with at that, in, you know, in that part of the States too, with those teams that had been there for so long and just a really yeah. big. And ours is more of a crossover, just to clarify. In baseball, there's a little thing with the Pirates and Phillies, but ours more is a crossover over the border with, with Cleveland. When right. it comes to the football, you know, Steelers, Browns is a big rivalry. Uh, Steelers and Eagles, not so much. But I will say this, I, and just to finish up uh, the football anecdotes, I don't know whether you know this, but I think part of the reason there's no real rivalry between the Steelers and the Eagles, other than the fact that they're in separate conferences, is they were actually the same team during World War II. Oh, I don't know whether wow. you knew that. I didn't they know were that. called the they were called the Steagles as a result of the fact that there was such a manpower shortage. They actually combined forces, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, oh. and they were the Steagles. The if Steag you look up the if you look up the standings in the early forties, you'll see a pit slash phi, and that's because the Pittsburgh and Philadelphia were a merged NFL team in the uh, in the early nineteen forties. Sorry to interrupt the Relentless Podcast, everybody, although this is a very good message. We want you to go and check out our Relentless Merchandise Store. That's right, we have launched a merchandise store for all of our Relentless garb. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, we've got crew necks, we've got hats, we've got toques, and we're going to be coming out with some more merchandise in the very near future. So please www.ucan.ca that's y-o-u-c-a-n.ca when you get to the website you look up to the top right corner i think it says buy our merch hit that button boom it'll take you there 
We really want you to wear our stuff. One, because every dollar raised goes directly into our programming for the young people we work with. And two, because it's a conversation starter for you. When you wear it, people are going to go, what's relentless? You can then brag about how you support an incredibly good organization helping young people. And then you can talk about how you are relentless in your life. That's what we want. We don't want us to just be relentless. We want you to be relentless too. Thanks for your support, and we appreciate you helping us out. Now, back to the show. Jack, you said you weren't athletic, but you wanted to, to make money off athletics, essentially, and, and you got into broadcasting uh, at, if I'm not mistaken, at college. You were doing football games. You were doing hockey games. You are doing any game you could, essentially. Lacrosse, soccer, you name it. Uh, we, I, You know, I didn't really do much hockey. All we had was a club hockey team. I did a... I did a couple of uh, Cornell hockey games. It so happens that Cornell, though, they have a proud program. The four years I went to college are the four worst years on an aggregate in the history of the Cornell University oh, wow. men's hockey <laughs> tournament. Yeah, I actually did a game there um, in the spring of, I believe it was 1995, and they had the 25-year anniversary of their unbeaten team. And, uh, before all those guys and before, you know, you know, a lot of alumni, they lost to Harvard nine to one, you know? So, I mean, they had a, they had a rough go. So I didn't do much hockey in college. I really didn't do much hockey until after college when, uh, you know, expecting to set the world on fire right out of the gates at ESPN. I, I quickly found I didn't have enough talent to do that either. And I had to crawl back to my hometown and, and work part time for four bucks and twenty five cents an hour, and and do a little the little high school hockey, and yeah. uh, that's where I started to to you know carve out a, a bit of a you know a, a hockey career to go along with football, basketball, and baseball, which I was doing for for small colleges back then, and I did some high school hockey games on the side, and and really what 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 triggered my professional you know, development in hockey was the fact that, uh, as I said, Pennsylvania, you know, divided East-West and the way they settled the high school state hockey championship was they did a Penguins Cup, which handled the Western side and a Flyers Cup, which handled the Eastern side. And the West final and the East final were played on the same day that the Penguins and the Flyers had home games. And oh. so they'd play the West final at two and the Penguins would play at seven and the East final at two and the Flyers would play at seven. Well, it just so happened that the West final I did, and I think the year was 1999, uh, went into triple overtime. And so Mike Lang and Matt McConnell, who's now the voice of the uh, the Arizona Coyotes, are setting up and getting ready for the game. And, of course, this high school game is, you know, starting to get pretty late. You know, it's starting to get into 545, 6 o'clock, and the Penguins are supposed to play here. And the game's over, and I'm I'm packing up to get out of there and get out of their way. And both of them separately pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, like, first of all, who the hell are you? And, uh, and yeah. secondly, you know, what, what do you do? I mean, is this your, is this your gig? And I, and I quickly said, well, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get into college football and basketball. And they're like, Hey, you do a good job of hockey. I'd forget the, I'd forget all that other stuff. Like you, you, you know, they were both very encouraging, which would have been pretty cool. Stuff. As you were talking about Lang before, oh. 
I mean, oh, yeah. this this is like a, a hero of yours, uh, yeah. an absolute. And all of a sudden, he's telling me I have a future. Right. And uh, and honestly, it was later that summer. It was uh, it was probably another five months that I was packing up my car and driving to Colorado Springs for my first minor league hockey job. So I mean, honestly, that that was a bit of a a bit of a turning point. And I started to pursue you know minor pro hockey gigs, and I got one. And you know, moved so, at that so, time across the country. Prior to going to Colorado Springs, though, like you said, you were doing football, you were doing basketball, baseball, hockey. Yeah. You were you were literally trying. I mean, you were being relentless. You were probably driving yeah. from place to place to place to place, trying to pick up gigs anywhere you could. Probably for yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna compare this. If Seventy-five you know, bucks a game. I was gonna say I'm gonna compare this to a stand-up comedian who's driving to all these little hick towns yeah. doing this, doing this for 75 bucks. You weren't even, you, bucks. you weren't even getting your gas money back most of the time. Right. Like it, no. but what you no. were doing was you were, you were carving out your way. And like you said, you were developing and but, yeah, I, I was laying bricks is what I was. I, I was trying right. to build a foundation for being a competent announcer. Uh, you know, and I just, you know, I mean, there there is some relentlessness aspect to that. I mean, because, of course, the rejection letters pile up. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, in between gigs, I'm sending out tapes. You know, back then they were cassettes and, yeah. you know, getting rejection letters from minor league baseball teams, from minor league hockey teams, from, from NHL teams. Yeah. You know, from, I mean, I you know, even basketball, college basketball, programs yeah not interested uh and that that's tough right like you're literally taking a beating but taking a beating absolutely but not unlike my not unlike my dating history to that point you know one rejection after another i mean and and you know what you just you just keep trying to get the reps in um you know keep trying to you know work your way up i mean are we talking what are we talking dating or broadcasting both. Uh, both. 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 You got to be relentless I with mean, the ladies, man. Relentless. My, my reps were very low in both at the time. <laughs> um, you know, and and honestly, uh, you know, I still say, I mean, I've gotten, what have I gotten? I've gotten the Colorado gig. I guess you could, I mean, if you want to call my hometown gig, I kind of walked into that one. So really, you know, hired in Colorado, hired in Alaska, hired in Edmonton. I've got three jobs. I've maybe been offered another, I don't know, maybe four, another, uh, maybe offered another four or five. Yeah. So really I've had eight job offers out of about a thousand applications is my rough estimate. I mean, I've got an extremely poor track record of, you know, I mean, and that's the thing is what I tell anyone who, who wants to do what I do for a living or, 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 you know, being an entertainer, as you said, being an actor, being uh, a comedian, the, you, you cannot have a thin skin. You cannot uh, get down on yourself because you don't get a gig because you're not going to get 90% of the ones you apply for, at least in my experience. Now, you know, there's probably some guys with talent out there that far exceeds my own that that kind of breeze through life and and breeze through this career with no obstacles. I would suggest that's in the minority, 
Yeah. I'm probably in the majority of, of people that, yeah, that, that have heard a lot, heard no a lot more than they've heard yes. Well, what's interesting is when you say essentially you've been hired for three jobs, some people might go, that's so impressive. But whenever you say I probably applied for a thousand, yeah. It really puts it into perspective. And again, back yeah. to that relentless aspect, you do. You have to just keep going, keep going. When you got when you get knocked down, you got two choices, I always say. You either stay down or you get up. And yeah. you have to get up and get up. And I agree with the thick skin. And realistically, that's that's anything you want to do in life. Like we 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 do have to have some thicker skin and and we're going to get rejected. But I uh, how many lessons did you learn from that? Probably just a ton of them. You know, as well, as- I mean, I, I can tell you stuff, you know, even within my own career, you know, uh, equipment failure, calling games off a box cell phone, um, sure. you know, having to scramble through ice rinks, trying to find a phone line that worked, you know, running yeah. extension cord, the little patch, if I mean, that had the two little phone outlets. So I'm stringing, you know, a cord into one. And then having a coupler and sending it out the other side. I mean, stuff that is literally prehistoric to to kids today. I mean, they just wouldn't believe some of the stuff I did. And 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 you know what? I didn't I didn't think of it as that. I you know I I had you know Marty units back in the day. I mean, I had I had I had some patchwork equipment to go along with being a patchwork announcer. I mean, yeah. I you know and yeah, and, and you just I mean. <laughs> I mean, I, I could go on and on about stuff that's happened within a broadcast and and uh, just, you know, you, you just carry on. I, there's a, you know, it's it's certainly probably my wife's least least favorite movie, that, that Scent of a Woman. But there is a little little nugget in there that applies to our business. If you if you screw up while you're doing the tango, you just tango on. Yeah. And that's what I always that's what I always say to to young broadcasters is, you know, both in your pursuit of a job and then, you know, while you're doing games, stuff is going to go wrong. Yep, I mean, Louie and I even, uh, you know, I I think it was, I think it might've been during the pandemic. I can't remember, you know, my first year on TV. I remember one of our headsets, you know, crapped out. So we're passing the headset back and forth. And this is on national television in Canada. Right. You know, again, until you get something rectified, tango on, right? You, yeah. you just, you cannot but, stop. You cannot pause. You cannot get rattled. You've just got to find a way to plow through. But, and that, but Jack, uh, realistically, you know what that is? That's life. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like what you're, ta- what you're talking and, and you about. Have, you have more of a experience in that than I do. I mean, you, you ultimately... You're confronted with some real obstacles. You got to find a way to just muscle your way through. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you really—it is about doing your very best or what your the 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 your capability that you may or may have to to try not to stop, try not to stop. And obviously, when you're broadcasting a live event, you don't have any other choice. You have to keep going, right? Yeah. Um, What was Alaska like? I mean, you go from from Pennsylvania to Alaska. It must have been very different. Well, I had Colorado in between. Colorado. So I had a little. That's I, right. I had a little mountains in there for three years, and then on up to Alaska for more mountains and ocean. And uh, you know, Alaska is much like Edmonton—a real strong sense of purpose and identity, and and its place in the world. Alaska is known as the last frontier for a reason. Right. I don't think if they voted today. 
I'm not sure they'd be a state. I, you know, they, they wanted to become a state. I, at least the politicians did, but there's a fair amount of Alaskans that would tell you, yeah, we were fine being a territory. We yeah. were, we were good. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, out in the swamps, you know, by the oceans and stuff like that. I mean, it's funny. Anchorage is by far and away the largest city in Alaska. But Kyle, if, if I took you to Anchorage, I, I could take you on a 10 minute ride and all of a sudden you'd be like, where the hell are we? Cause mm. you, all you'd see is mountains and ocean. Yeah. And I could I could throw you in a swamp and no one would ever find you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. it's it's it, it is not far from a town of four hundred thousand where you're in the middle of nowhere, right? Other than just rugged earth, right? And uh, you know, I think I think a few scores were settled back in the day before <laughs> they became a state. Um, and Alaska, you know, again, like Edmonton, if you want to complain about it being remote. Or if you want to complain about the harsh winters, they'll tell you right where the airport is. I mean, they they're, they're, they do not shy away from, you know, being Alaskan. And I, I like that. And and very similar to Edmonton, the oil and gas drives the bus up in Alaska. I mean, right. in fact, if you know people in the oil industry, I'm willing to bet that at least one of them has a buddy or has worked themselves in Alaska for a stretch yeah. of time yeah, or yeah. have clients in Alaska. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of, I mean, I didn't know it at the time because I, you know, I hadn't ever set foot in Alberta, but there's a lot of parallels between the industries that drive the state of Alaska and the province of Alberta. So uh, I think there is a bit of a kinship between Alaska and Edmonton. I didn't know it at the time. And for whatever reason, when I got here, you know, again, things happen for a reason. I found Edmonton strangely similar to Alaska and the geography, the river valley and stuff like that. I tell you that I and I called my wife the day I the day I toured Edmonton for the first time as a prospect for this job. I said, it feels like Pittsburgh with yeah. the confluence of the rivers and yeah. the, and the way the city kind of hits you in the face as you come over Connors Road there. Yeah. I, I said, honey, I, I haven't been here. None of us have been close to here before, but I've got a strange familiarity. Yeah, it's interesting. So let's go uh, from the ECHL is is yeah. uh, the team you were called, the Aces, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Uh, which, by the way, uh, two-time ECHL broadcaster of the year, Jack Michaels. It's impressive. It's impressive. Yeah, no, uh, That's yeah, cool. thank you. I appreciate I, that. I didn't know I didn't even like like I didn't even know they had that. Like who who votes on that? Like all the other broadcasters? Like is do they, I, I, do, they I, do I that in the NHL? Buddies. I, I, I must have paid off some buddies. I've got a bunch of awards up here that I think I I bought and paid for, but Welcome yeah, dude. whatever. I don't even listen, I bought and paid for nothing because I still don't get the awards. But anyways. <laughs> Um, so let's go into how does, because realistically jumping ECHL to NHL, that's a big jump. Yeah, no, it was. At least it from was. an outside perspective, it is. How did this all go down? Why? What, obviously you knew who the Edmonton Oilers were. You're a hockey guy, Pittsburgh, Edmonton, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, all that stuff. Uh, Rob Brown, who you... <laughs> You know well of six three Chad, who was uh, I know he's coached my kids, um, who had just an unbelievable mullet when he came to Pittsburgh in I think nineteen eighty seven, and he's from St Albert where I'm from, so like this was oh a big, I know yeah, I know right where yeah, Rob's from and uh, big yeah, deal he was for a rock us. star he was a rock he was a rock star, star in the city yeah, of Pittsburgh rock star yeah. until he wasn't but um, Edmonton how did this all come about Jack 
Well, you know, I had I had been plugging away in the minors for a number of years, Kyle, and and uh, you know, I had I had acquired quite of a quite a sales book. You know, I, when you're in the minor leagues, you're doing a bunch of different jobs. Uh, and I certainly did. I was on our board of, I was on the board of governors for the league. I was kind of our league representative at our meetings. I would do all the travel. I would, uh, do all the PR, all the media relations, all the press releases. Uh, you know, I, I was, I had my hands in a lot of different things. And one of those was sponsorships. And, and, you know, I found, even though I wasn't a, you know, a say, I, I guess I understand when people say we're all kind of salesmen to some extent. And, and I, you know, I kind of uh, was able to, you know, find a base of clients. I mean, it, you know, Alaska was kind of the only game in town. We were the only pro team. So right. I, 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 I found people were interested in the sport. We're interested in our organization. We became a good team. It became easier to sell. But what that did, Kyle, is kind of put me in a a bit of a corner in the sense that it didn't make any sense for me to take an American league job because I would have taken a 60 or $70,000 pay cut to do so. I mean, I, you know, it would have been staggering. And I had a young family at the time. I mean, both my kids were born in Anchorage. Well, uh, hang on for so, a sec, Jack. Why would you have taken such a pay cut? Because if you go to AHL, you're just calling games. You're not doing all the other stuff. Or because, exactly. Okay. Well, well, I mean, even if, even if I did, I would have been leaving behind a client base. I mean, I, Kyle, I'm proud to say it. I, I built a, a customer base of about seven or eight hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow! And so you can kind of do the math on a standard ten percent commission, and then yeah. add it to my base salary for what I was doing for the games. Yeah, so um, you're doing well. You're making some pretty good bank. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was one of the higher paid minor league announcers, I think, in the history of minor league sports. I mean, yeah. I, I I was doing fairly well for myself on the sales like it was all sales driven like right. i you know i couldn't have afforded to go to the american league and say make 30 you know i mean even the american league back then you know even now i mean you're you're not making big money i mean that's the, that's the, that's the thing people don't understand is you know if you're make if you're going to the american league when you first get there you're not making much more than 50 grand no. i mean even now like you know, you got to sell, you got to, you got to do other things yeah. to be able to, you know, carve out a, a, a semi-comfortable living for yourself. So yeah. I had, what I had done was that, you know, it was a good situation for me in Alaska, but it, it was now kind of NHL or bust. And that probably, you know, I, I wasn't going to apply for the Edmonton Oilers job. It was the, but here's what happened. It was the only one that summer, first of all. Um, but I, I wasn't going to apply for the Edmonton Oilers job, not because I, you know, not because I didn't want it, but because I was thinking, you know, it's, I mean, who's going to hire an American to go up there? But what I, what I didn't really factor in is the Oilers had never hired for the job before. I mean, right. it's not that Rod Phillips, I don't want to say he volunteered, but he did kind of, he was a, he worked in radio at the time when the WHA team came in, you know, it was kind of. I don't want to say it was kind of like who wants to call the games, but it kind of was like Rod yeah. Phillips was kind of the sports guy back then, uh, obviously a, a tremendous announcer. So it was kind of like a no brainer, like, Hey, we've got a pro team coming in. Why wouldn't we hire Rod Phillips? It wasn't like Rod had to beg and plead. I mean, he was the man, you yeah. know, I, I, he yeah. was, 
Brian Hall was doing doing the Eskimos at the time. Yeah. And so Rod Phillips was like, who else are they going to get, right? And Rod Phillips, and you know this, uh, I mean, legend. legend. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I legend. mean, Rod was the only choice, right? I mean, it, right. It, it, it'd be like, yeah. I mean, who else would you not – you're not going to hire anyone other than Rod, right? I mean, he he – he, uh, you know, by then, I mean, he was he was in his, you know, I guess early 30s or late 20s. But I mean, he had a reputation. He was yeah. he was a, a qualified, tremendous professional. And so, boom, he slides in and does the job for the next 38 years at a Hall of Fame level. Right. He's in the Hall of Fame by the time he's 60. Uh, if that, I mean, he might have been in his late 50s by the time he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he, you know, that's how good he was. So now you get into a situation where they've never hired for the position before. Right. So when you've never done something before, <laughs> I think, I mean, you're a little more inclined to say, well, all right, let's look at everybody. I mean, I, I think when you haven't hired, you're not going to be like, well, we've got five people. We know we want to do it. I mean, there was never anyone that was going to take Rod's job. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like, so, you, well, it's that it's, that it's that saying of like, oh, you got pretty big shoes to fill. I, I look at that. I recently had somebody leave our organization, been there 14 years. Awesome. Awesome individual. Done a ton for us. The next person coming in, I would never have the attitude of, you got big shoes to fill. His shoes are gone, and they're never right. going to be filled. Now, so you need to bring your own shoes. What's that exactly. going to look like? So, again, I wasn't going to apply for this job because it was a Canadian market that I figured would hire a Canadian. But at the last second, um, you know, I basically got into a mindset of, you know what? Like, again, uh, who knows? You can't win the lottery if you don't play. Yeah. I was actually on my way to a vacation with my family, and I, I whipped the car around. And I was like, I'm going to be gone two weeks. I don't want... I don't want this gig to be filled while I'm gone without at least having taken a shot. So I actually got a Manila envelope because we were in a rush. We were literally leaving for the, you know, we were on a flight in two hours. I wheel back and in block letters, like printed Alan Watts name, spelled his name right. I, I've, I've subsequently heard a lot of people disqualified themselves because they, they didn't even get his name right. I mean, right. the least you can do is show the man his respect. Right. And I, I I put a DVD of a game, a playoff game I'd done and and sent it to him. I think it was an overtime game, you know, so I had some decent calls on there. Yeah. And fired it out and then went on vacation with at least a clear conscience, say, you know, I threw it out there. And I didn't hear anything for a month. Um and I get a call. Uh and you know, I kind of was I was in I was back in Anchorage at this point and i get a call and i'm like uh, i know that's an edmonton number so i remember taking it outside in the parking lot and they're like hey we're we're thinking about we're thinking about bringing you in um or or at least or at least doing a conference call you know what we'll do a conference call and get to know you and and uh we'll go from there and i was like all right that sounds good you know uh, you know but this is not my first time in the in the mix you know i've i've been here before so i'm not jumping up and down because i've i've had a few real close calls when it came to the nhl all yeah. for jobs in the states so i i'm still thinking it's a bit of a pipe dream i'm probably you know all right let's let's talk to this american but we've probably got seven or eight other guys 
And then, of course, that's justified by the fact that I don't get another call for another two weeks. I, I don't hear from them. Right. They said, hey, we're going to set up a conference call maybe tomorrow, and then I don't hear anything for two weeks. So now this is like, this is like, you know, we're now, I applied for the job around Canada Day. So this is now all the way, probably first week of August. Wow. And all I've gotten was, you know, a 15-second call. Hey, we may do a conference call for you in the last week of July. So another couple of weeks go by. All of a sudden, I get another call. And, um, you know, and this one was, well, you know, we're we're thinking about kind of skipping the skipping the conference call scenario and you know we're just gonna fly in all right well that you know now i've so in my head i'm thinking all right well they now they've got it i i've i've advanced to the final let's say five without even doing anything i mean they they still don't they haven't talked to me for more than 30 seconds yeah so i'm like this is great uh we'll have our travel coordinator set up your flight blah 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 you're good to go and this is probably, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, Alaska time. So, you know, the whole day I'm checking my phone, text, you know, nothing. The next day, nothing. I'm like, what is, like, what's, you know, all right, well, now I'm starting to, okay, obviously the guy they wanted accepted the job or whatever, and, and, Maybe they'll get back to me in a week or so and say, you know what? Things changed. So my son was three years old at the time. And you know how it is. You got to every once in a while, they have a bad night. And you, so I crawled in with him and uh, I crawled in with him that second night after I got the phone call and my phone buzzes at like six in the morning, you know, and I'm kind of startled because I had probably gone in with him around 2 a.m. and fell asleep in his bed. You know, you're trying to be a good dad. Yep. So I checked my phone at 6.30 in the morning. Hey, here's your flight. Sorry for the late reply. My flight's leaving at 8.15, Alaska time. What is the deal with the communications of the Edmonton Oilers? So I'm like, hey, hon, you know, (laughs) pack up. You know, I wake her up and she thinks, like, the house is burning down or, like, one of the kids have scarlet fever or something. Just chaos. Pack me a bag. You know, I jump in the shower, you know, grab my bag. Luckily, as I, I told you, I did the team travel. This is, this is you know, and this is also, you know, 13 years ago. I'm not sure I'd get away with it now. But I literally, like you do in the movies, I show up at, you know, I show up at the airport. Hey, you know, Phil, good to see you again. I, I got to go. I can't explain. Here are my keys. You know, tossed to my keys and caught the plane, uh, uh, went down for the interview, uh, you know, and I got to say, you know, and again, you know, we always think, right. We always think we knocked it out of the park and I did, I did. I thought, you know, this one went as well as it possibly could have. I, I really think I did a good job, but I'd been to here before, but I, I honestly legit felt, Hey, really good. Got on the plane home the next day. You know, I I met with, you know, Kevin Lowe and Stu McDonald and Alan Watt and Patrick LaForge and all the big wigs back yeah, at yeah. that time of the Edmonton Oilers. These are names that may be familiar to some. And I get back on the plane. Hey, I think it's great. Radio silence for 10 days. 10 days. Man. So now we're literally, we're literally August like 
12th or 13th, and I haven't heard a thing. And we've we've got another vacation plan. This time we're going to Hawaii, and it's a it's we're leaving on a uh, we're leaving on a red eye, I believe, on Friday night. So Friday afternoon, I type out one of those pitiful emails you do when you're sniffing around for a gig yeah, that you're yeah, probably yeah. not going to get. Yeah. Hey, uh, just checking in. Um, you know, I'll be. Uh, I'm, I'm taking my family to Hawaii for a brief trip. I'll be on my. You know, my phone is. You know, my phone is still active in Hawaii. Like he yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 2010. It's not like 1986. Like your sure. cell phone is going to work. But it was. You know, just so pathetic. You know, hey, you know, again, great meeting you. But you, but but Jack, what this is showing, like, you wanted this now. You, I did. I, now I'm in the hunt. I'm sniffing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's again, the only NHL job out there this summer. But also, I've gotten a taste. Like, yeah. I saw the city. Yeah. I had a good interview. Now, I'm, you know, I'm competitive. I want it. Like, yeah. hey, I've been carving around. You know, I've been kicking around the minors for 11 years. I've earned this. Yeah. You know, damn it. <laughs> so you know i'm 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 ultra competitive and sure you know sure enough no response to the email and like i said i wanted it so i get on the plane and my wife and i back then we were famous for we'd sit in first class and we'd throw our six and three-year-old in, in the first row behind first class that you is, know because i had that is awesome that oh is i wasn't paying for first class i had upgrades because i you know, you're, you're you're working for a minor hockey team in Alaska. Oh, so you the, have the, the like points. Nine hundred thousand miles. The so points. Like, these mileage upgrades. Like yeah. I had status on Alaska Airlines, the likes yeah. of which you know no yeah. one will ever see again. So we're we're sitting in first class, and you know Emily orders us drinks. My wife, and she's like, "Hey, you got to pick it up." Like, because I'm sitting there and I'm all pouty, just. <laughs> You know, you know, I'm and rightfully yeah, so, you know. rightfully so, because it just sounds to me like, listen, I'm an employer. I yeah. would, I would never do that to somebody. I'm, I'm all, looking- all the teams do it. All the really? teams do it. This is not unique to Edmonton. Wow. When it comes to announcers, all the teams do it. You're always left twisting in the wind. Honestly, oh. like it's kind of mean. How it works. It's kind of mean. It is. I it feel is. like it's mean. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Like, it, I'm sorry, we're not Connor McDavid. You know, we, I just we have are this not, vision of yeah, you pouting in we, first class with your kids yeah. behind you thinking, why are we not in first class? But your, your, your wife says, pick it up. We're going to Hawaii. Pick Come it on. up. Like, your mood, your mood sucks. And yeah. I was like, you're right. I should, I should try to be, you know, sure enough, check the cell phone. When we get off the plane, nothing. So I'm, I'm manfully trying to be upbeat but she can tell i'm disappointed so we we wake up the next day and i was like you know what you're right let's go downstairs it's you know in in hawaii you like to get up early in the morning take advantage of the day so we went right downstairs and uh, the kids are sleeping so yeah they're old enough where you know a a six and a three-year-old the way it worked is we'd been going to the same resort so my little girl at the time knew to take him down the elevator and, and where to meet us when it was time to go. But sure enough, 10 o'clock that morning, we're sipping a Mai Tai on the beach in Maui. And I get a phone call from the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, hey, uh, I'm going to get someone else on the line. 
And I'm like, boy, if you're getting someone else on the line to reject me, this is really a bad situation. And sure enough, it was, congratulations, you're coming. Nice. And so I found As you're in Hawaii my, having a drink on the beach. There it is. That I, is I amazing. Mean, so after all that, and and I hopefully, I mean, it is a podcast, but I, this story has gone on way too long. But I, I would tell you this, all that lead up, the 900 plus minor league games, the 11 years in minor league hockey, plus three years in my hometown, Pennsylvania, making minimum wage. You know, you, you work for 14 years then, basically 14 years, and you get a call and you're on the beach in Hawaii and you've been told you're going, coming to the NHL. I would have taken that in a heartbeat. If Absolutely. you told me that when I was 20, Absolutely. that in 14 years, this is going to happen to you, I would have done all the other stuff. Yeah, I, I would have. You know what? What a story. What so I, I, I love I this bought story. Everyone at, I bought everyone at the pool a round of drinks yeah. <laughs> and uh, did a big cheers to myself. It's the one yeah. and only time I've ever done that. Yeah. And, I'm going to the uh, show, we, baby. I'm going to the show. We had a big celebration that day in Hawaii. It was awesome. it was awesome. It yeah. was uh it was one of the best days of my life. I'm assuming the way you flew with the kids when they were young, you just left them in the hotel room. No, I'm, well, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Man. You know what? We we actually uh we actually I you know, I think I had some fa you know, we had other family coming in that day from Hawaii. So yeah. when they got off the plane, they found and I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't tell because we still had to get through, you know, the immigration part and stuff uh, like that's that. Right. So I was going to ask you actually, about that because that must have been a like, yeah, I, we don't need to go down the whole thing. But I mean, that's that's a, I don't want to say an ordeal, but that's a big process, isn't it? Yeah, there was a there was a bit of a process, and obviously, uh, you know, with the Oilers, you know, some of that was facilitated. But for a while, I had to keep a lid on it. But I'll tell you this. I mean, the, the best phone call I've ever made in my life. I, I told you the best phone call I ever received was the one for the Oilers. But the best phone call I ever made in my life was that one on the beach in Maui when I called my dad. I mean, that was that was pretty awesome. I mean, I'll I'll never forget that. And just, uh, you know, hearing him and my mom's reaction, that was pretty cool. You know, if, if people can watch this on YouTube, but most people listen, I've got this huge smile on my face listening to that. Like that is that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It really yeah. is. And oh yeah, you I know, mean, I got the ocean literally twenty feet away, and I'm calling my parents to tell them that uh, after all these years of futility, I'm going to the show. Well, and I don't know you well, Jack, but uh, from what I, what I do know of you and from what I've heard of you as well, from a lot of people, your parents have done a hell of a job, which I'm, I know you and Emily are doing a hell of a job with your kids too. So I, as much as I appreciate that, that was an awesome, know, so day. that's, a, that's, that's an awesome phone call to me. The Relentless Podcast is brought to you by You Can Youth Services, which I am very proud to be a part of. You Can Youth Services is an organization that helps young people move out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. If you want to learn more about the incredible work that we do with some very vulnerable young people, please go to www.youcan.ca. That's www.youcan.ca. Jack, let's... Uh, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, although I could talk to you for hours. Uh, well, let's talk a little Edmonton Oilers now. Not, not even. I, I'm not even worried right now about talking uh, about like the upcoming season, all that type of stuff, which I'm very excited about. I kind of hate 
it's a weird thing to say. I hate summer because I just love my Oilers. I love watching them. Um, some like, give some highlights. Like, so you were radio for I think eleven years, ten, 10 years, eleven ten, years, yeah. 10, 10, ten years. This will be my fourth one on TV. Fourth, okay, going into the fourth. So now you do fourth. Your your oh, we don't need to talk about this. If you want, we can cut it out. But I'm not going to lie to you. Why are you not doing playoff games? It irritates everybody in this city that you are not doing playoff games on TV. Well, it's kind of you to say, but obviously you can only control what you can control, right? I, know. I, uh, you know that there's I love petitions. doing the games on people, the radio with stuff. People put petitions out, man, because they were like, what? I know they do. Listen, the other guys do a good job, but you're our guy. Yeah. You're you're well, right. I appreciate that. That's nice of you to say. Um, what are some obviously having – well, arguably the two best hockey players in the world right now, but Connor McDavid, the Eraser, how fun is that to call hockey games with that guy? Is it just yeah, absolutely I mean, every it, night know, it's, it's insane? Well, and it's it it sharpens you up too, because you can't uh you can't get on a tangent, you can't uh you can't waste too much time talking about the last play or something that happened last week or something that may happen next week because because that dude, when he's on the ice, boy, the game changes in a hurry. And uh, so it's actually, it's actually made me a better broadcaster. I think it's it's kept me focused and kept me concentrated just because of the breathtaking stuff he can deliver on a dime. You never yeah. want to, and Louie will tell you the same thing. I mean, you just can't, you can't be in the midst of a thought when he's on the ice because because no. uh, stuff can get real in a hurry. And and you know, I mean. The obvious highlight for me, and and really, I think uh, the Oilers, I would say, primary highlight uh, since winning the Stanley Cup in 1990 would be McDavid's goal. I think you could probably make an argument, uh, Fernando Pisani, the, the overtime goal in the Stanley Cup final. In 06, but, yeah. Yeah, certainly the McDavid overtime winner to beat Calgary in the Battle of Alberta, the first of, of its kind and at that time, 31 years, I mean, you know, other than the Pisani goal, I can't think of a bigger goal that's been scored in the last 30 years of Edmonton. I, hockey. I can and I would suggest because the Oilers lost the Stanley Cup final that year, I, I would suggest the McDavid goal is a bigger goal because it's Battle mm. of Alberta. Mm. But, I mean, that that for me, you know, punctuated a series where both he and Dreisaitl were just off the charts. I mean, he and Dreisaitl, you know, turn that Calgary series into an absolute epic. I mean, that that's probably the greatest five-game series in the history of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was among the highest-scoring series. I mean, at Edmonton and Chicago back in the day, as you know, that, that famous series where yeah. they scored a bunch of goals in a six-game series. But for me, that that's, uh, you know, that's that's a huge highlight. And I, I think, uh, you know, I think that'll remain – you know, the big highlight for the Edmonton Oilers over their last 30, 35 years until until Edmonton raises the cup uh, because, you know, you go head-to-head against your provincial rival and, and win it in their building on an overtime goal, as Nessa Tikkanen did back in 1991. I, I got to give Tikkanen a shout-out there. But, and but as, honestly... Uh, uh, now, it wasn't a series clincher, but as Gretzky did, and I think it was 88 overtime over... 88. But, yeah, but again... The the Connor McDavid goal, you're right. right. Like that yeah. that is as big as it gets, especially since the Battle yeah. of Alberta hadn't happened. Yeah. Uh, in well, Cleveland in 1990, right? Right. So, I mean, 
Right. Yeah, so I, I was going since the last Stanley Cup, and no one's going to probably argue that claim a goal in 1990 oh, is – I, is, I, I don't think any goal that's been scored is bigger than that one. I agree. Um, since since 1990, but McDavid's is right there. Oh, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's – you know, hopefully it's going to be one in a series of highlights that will get better and better – over the next couple of years. But, you know, as I've said, there's no guarantees and series can turn on a dime as they did. I mean, here's the thing, you know, here's the thing that people have already forgotten and we're only about four months away from it. Oilers in Vegas series tied at two game five in Vegas. Edmonton's up two one late second period. I mean, at that point, Edmonton is the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. At that exact moment, yep. Edmonton is the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. You finish off that game. You close out. I don't think the Oilers fans are going to let them lose a game six with a chance to close out Vegas. And who knows? You maybe win the Stanley Cup. And then, in a flash of four minutes, Vegas not only wins that game, closes the Oilers out, and really never seriously threatened by Dallas or Florida. Let's not be honest. All. Not at all. Vegas's biggest scare by far was Edmonton. But my point in that is just because you went to the conference final two years ago and you had Vegas, again, the eventual champions on the ropes in round two of last year. So you've lost the eventual champs two years in a row. That that That's all well and good. And, you know, we've seen Washington, St. Louis, Tampa, you know, get through similar periods where they were close but no cigar, and then they win. But it's no guarantee. Right. It's no guarantee. I mean, so all you can do is keep putting yourself in those positions. Yeah. And I do, I do feel confident that the Oilers will be in that position again this year. Mm -hmm. They'll be in that position. Whether it's the final eight or final four, they'll be in a position at some point in a postseason series to be at that moment in time the Stanley Cup favorite. Yeah. It's just can you take advantage of it? Can you grab it? Yes. And that's what sometimes takes three, four, five, six cracks at it. That's why you hear Ken Holland say the things he does about giving yourself a chance year in, year out mm. and hope you win. But there's no guarantees, and and certainly this year, I think the Oilers are one of five or six legitimate Stanley Cup contenders going into the season. But that doesn't mean anything except that. No, I agree with you 100%. And I, I've always been a believer, just make the playoffs because anything can happen. Any yeah. team. Look at, look at LA's first Stanley Cup that they won. Right, yep. they snuck in. I want to say the last two days of the regular season. Beat the Vancouver, the top seed, the President's right. Trophy winner. They did 2012 it all. 2012 and win the cup. Right, yep. you know. So, um, your style of broadcasting, and I read this somewhere, and I don't know if you said this or it was said about you, is you're you're like a you're like a, a but no, it's it's a it's an awesome song you know those songs that just build up and they build up and they build up that's the way you broadcast is you build things up and then you kind of bring us back and then you build it up and i said to you um before like your last minute of a close hockey game either tied one team's up by two a goalie's pulled to me is the best i've ever heard i think it's amazing 
Where do you get that style from? Like, is this, I read somewhere that it was big because of the horse racing, because a horse yeah. race. Is that, is right. that where you get that from? Horse racing for sure. Uh, and also, I mean, you know, there, there's, there's a couple of songs that have inspired it too. I mean, uh, horse racing for sure. And then if you're a hardcore Soundgarden fan, uh, there's a, from uh, one of their early albums, Louder Than Love, there's a song called Hands All Over. Think, uh, Listen to the first, do me a favor, when we're done with this podcast, okay. listen to the first minute 20 of that song. Okay. And what it is, is, and, and now I'll go mainstream for those that are, you know, more casual music fans, it's, it's, it's not unlike the opening to Thunderstruck. There's a buildup, and then... Boom, there's that one thing where you hear Brian Johnson come in with Thunder, right. right? So, you know, horse racing, those two songs, yeah, I'm I'm looking to build to a crescendo. I think hockey is an exciting game. I think uh we're lucky enough that hockey's a game that's often a three two or four three scenario. Yeah. Um there's there's a lot of close games in, in hockey. Uh and as a result. You know, the last minute, minute and a half is often net is empty and someone's trying to tie it. Or the game is tied and, and someone's trying to win it. And we're lucky that, that that hockey's played on those margins. And so what I try to do is generate excitement for 57, 58 and a half minutes and then build to a crescendo, right? In the last 90 seconds, someone's trying to win it. Someone's trying to tie it. Uh, someone's trying to hang on. And uh, I think hockey, you know, more so than the other sports, has more of those games tucked within its schedule, even some of the lousy games. I mean, sure. you know, just because it's a close game doesn't mean it's a great game. Yeah. But what I can do is if it's been kind of tepid action for 58 and a half minutes and say it's 2-1 or even if it's 5-4 but it's been poorly played – You've still got that excitement of the last minute and a half with someone trying to tie it up. Well, I'll tell you, there's times in my household where, and overtime as well, you call an overtime game, especially those real exciting back and forth three-on-three ones. And there's times where either me or my wife will go, we think Jack's going to have a heart attack because it's, it's like you are just on fire. And it's almost like, it's like what you talked about with Lang. Like you're not, you're not stopping. You're just going and going and going. And it's so impressive, man. It really is. I appreciate that. You know, there's nuggets that you – remember i don't know whether you're a guy like me you just remember shows you watched or movies and there's lines here and there and uh for me i something really sent home and it was an nfl films show from about the mid 80s and they were talking about the 1958 championship game between the colts and the giants and that kind of put the nfl on the map and it went into overtime it was the first championship game that went into overtime and you know, as you know, Stanley Cups are the same way. You call it sudden death overtime. And someone at, someone came up to the commissioner of the National Football League after that game. And this is a sports writer telling the story. And he, he said to the commissioner of the National Football League at that time, Burt Bell, he said, Burt, what do you think? And he said, I never thought I'd live to see sudden death. Mm. And that comment and i'm not trying to make it more than it is but it really resonated with me yeah. is 
is we are living in sudden death overtime. Sure. And and to me, that's exciting. Like, yeah. that is a cool thing to say. It's a cool thing to think. And it is. I mean, Stanley Cup playoff hockey is, I mean, sudden death. Just ask the Boston Bruins. I mean, holy oh. cow. Oh. You put up the greatest regular season in the history of the league, and now you're shaking hands, and it's all over. You're about and and to me, uh, so I when I call overtime hockey, I am always mindful of the fact that it is sudden death yeah. overtime. And you do such a good job, man. You do. A um, couple of real quick questions for you. When you're traveling with the team and stuff, like, do you get to like, do you hang out with these guys at all? Like, are you going over for supper with the team, or do they keep you guys really separate? Uh, it's not so much they keep. It's just the way it is, right? Yeah. Uh, it, you know what? They're they're professional athletes. They have their own friends. They have their own routines on the road. I'm an announcer. I have my own routines. I have some people to see on the road myself. And we're just kind of in our own worlds, right? Jobs. It's, the reason I ask is because Rod Phillips yeah. has many stories of being completely shit faced with Gretzky and <laughs> and fear and the like. Yeah, he's a, he's it was a different time. It was a little different back then. I'll say this. I mean, you mentioned Wayne. I mean, you know, Wayne was on our plane a fair bit in the 2010s, and and he was always very you know kind and generous with his time in terms of talking with a guy like me like and he doesn't see it that way i mean that's the right. that's the best thing about wayne gretzky is anyone who's ever met him will say wow wayne was really nice to a person like me sure but but wayne doesn't see it that way right. he is just he is just you know considering his fame his stature not only within our game but within the world i mean he's one of those few hockey players that kind of travels in in circles that that even the best hockey players don't travel in. Uh, he's true blue. Like he's yeah. just a, you know, he's a guy for Brantford, right? It's almost he's, like he doesn't understand he's Wayne Gretzky. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I, I mean, just the generosity of time and spirit, uh, but it was a different time. You know, another guy that's like that for me, you know, Paul coffee. I mean, a, a lot of those '80s guys, you do have a connection with. I sure. mean, Glenn Anderson, unfailingly generous with his time. Whenever I see him, yeah. uh, I don't see Mark Messier that often. Sometimes I feel, you know, compelled to reintroduce myself, but he always kind of chides me. He goes, "I, I know who you are, Jack. Yeah, you know I know who you are, man. but you know what I mean. Like those yeah. guys are so down to earth that I don't." I'm not appropriate enough with them because right. they're just so they they don't care, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, they're just you know, at the and, end of the day, really, what they are are just dudes who were very good at a sport, right? Yeah, but, but they're just dudes, right? They're nice like they people. Are. Yeah, they're nice they're people. people. They're, they're not they're not pedestal guys. And I'm not saying the modern athlete is. I'm just saying that it, it has changed. There's not the socialization and it's more natural than anything else i don't think it's yeah. uh i don't think it's the team saying hey don't talk to that guy it's not that right. it's just right. you know what you you're you're polite uh you 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 know ask how his summer was you know i'm sure when i see connor i'll ask him how his summer was i'll say looks like you had a great time with your folks on this gig uh, you know, we'll exchange pleasantries and then we'll move on. And it's sure. more of a business relationship, but I'll tell you what, like there is the odd time, even in, in today's 
modern athlete. You know what? I, I'll say this. And I didn't, you know, I didn't expect this. But, you know, I, I did, and and this isn't about me. I, I don't want it to be about me. But, you know, I, I hit the 1,000-game mark last year um, in the NHL. Yeah. And I was stunned. And they, you know, the Oilers were, uh, they, they really went over the top. I mean, I, they actually had a little pause in the game to kind of say, hey, it's Jack's 1,000th game. And I was, I was like, oh, my God. Darnell was kind of kidding me. Hey, like, Jack kind of – it's okay. You could have been a little bit more effusive. He was giving sure. me grief. Nursey was. But here's the thing about that is, you know, the net, we, I think we were going on a road trip. And I'm I, honestly, like every guy on the team, including Connor, was like, hey, a thousand games. That's awesome, man. Mm. Like, and you know what? Like, uh, that was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I, you know, not that they needed to do it or whatever, but it always feels good to be acknowledged, I guess. And I, I wasn't anticipating to be thankful that someone would come up and say, but the fact that like, and the players weren't doing it because the first guy did it. Right. They made, you know, they, they kind of made an effort to come around at one point during that flight or later that day and just say, Hey, a thousand games, bud. that's awesome, man. Well, they have, but Jack, they have a respect for you because they can't do what you do the same way you can't do what they do. That's, well, I guess I didn't realize that. It and is so, a respect, you know. Yeah, what I what I would say is in this business, just like life, there's always little surprises, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I was I was surprised and touched by that. It it it, I, it meant a lot to me in a in a way that it probably shouldn't, but it kind of made me feel like a 12 year old kid all again, like where you're being where humble. Maybe though. some athlete acknowledged me. You know you're, what I mean? You're being humble because it it should mean something to you. It's good. I think it's great. And I love hearing stories of, of uh, well, whatever, celebrities, pro athletes, whatever it is, that are doing things like that, that that's not in the, the, the press. It's not in the media. It's just that's what, they're just being human beings. And yeah, I, exactly. And I'll tell you what, another thing that comes to mind is about five or six years ago, I mean, we're talking about the elite of the elite. You know, he was already the elite of the elite. But you know what? Uh when we were on a road trip in Pittsburgh, I remember my parents and I getting off an elevator and, you know, I was going to kind of walk by and, and uh, Connor was like, Hey, Connor McDavid, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. You know, all oh, this is Connor. This is Marion Lloyd. And yeah, yeah I, again, same thing, the little things, yeah. but they resonate with you. And, um, you know, so, so while there's no socialization, I still get the I still get the sense that even though it's a different time, I think uh, you know hockey players as much as anyone in in the world of professional athletics, uh, they're they're down to earth people. They're they're the good guys. This is an easy team to root for, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely I, I genuinely root for them to do well, not just because I'm the Oilers announcer, but I would say this, that we're in an era of not only a very good oiler team, but an oiler team filled with filled to the brim with really good people. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's maybe one thing that hasn't been talked about, but uh, I would say, you know, character wise, personality wise, this is the best oiler group I've ever been around. That is awesome. And you know what? Forget we're, their talent. We're going we're gonna to finish up here really quick. Um, but I will tell you this, and I, we won't go into the whole story. I, I, uh, we had a, uh, uh, the worst tragedy ever in our family uh, two and a half years ago. 
And a lot of people don't know this. Uh, I have no idea how he found out. I have no idea where the connection came from to him. But all of a sudden, I get a, a DM from Connor McDavid on Twitter. Condolences. Wanting to know. Uh, knew that my 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 other sons uh, were hockey guys. Wanted to know what he could do for them, if anything. And I'm I thought it was fake, to be honest with you. I'm like, what the like? And I'm the, you know like who's playing a trick on me during the worst time of? And I won't go into the whole That's thing. Yeah. And he did some stuff. And I, you know, I just remember DMing him and my best friends going, "You're DMing with Connor McDavid right now," and I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. And then I just realized he's a dude, and he's a good dude because he did that. Nobody would even know he did that, right? And right. I'm sure he does that often. So, anyways, yeah, and and you know what, Kyle, it goes back to what we all try to be, and and I know you're in that group, but you know that's why. And I don't know whether I've actually said it personally, but I mean that's why you know. Brian and Kelly did a good job, right? They, yeah. they, they raised a good kid. Yeah. And they know that, I'm sure, at some level. But I know as a parent, you never get tired of hearing it. Like, I you actually, never get tired I, of hearing a kindness uh, from one of your children, from someone else. Send, and, send, me, uh, your, send me your parents' uh, cell phones. I'll give them a call. I actually said that to Connor in those messages. I said, your parents did a good yeah. job, Connor. Make sure you let them know. Like, I didn't know what yeah. to say. I was, oh, in exactly. a, I was in a bit of a fog. Uh, listen, we are on this podcast, Jack Michaels, about down the stretch to go down the stretch. Oh, I love that you did that. No, I, I didn't want you to steal it from me, so I had to take it from I you. I love it. I love that you just did that on my podcast. It just made this podcast for the 18 people that listen a million times better. Thank you. I've had smaller audiences. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know how many people listen to this. I don't care. I just, I listen to it. I love the sound of my own voice. So here's what we're going to do. We do a thing called the relentless quiz, Jack Michaels. And this is going to, we're going to find out if you are truly relentless. We put this together scientifically, poured a ton of money into it. Let's find out. Are you ready? Ready. Jack Michaels. <clears throat> Fruits or vegetables? Fruit. City or countryside? City. Dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen? Ooh. <laughs> uh, I think I'd probably have to go dirty bathroom. Okay. Okay. Salty <laughs> or sweet? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Didn't say it Push. was Didn't say this was easy. Salty. Push. If you're making me, I, I don't know whether I can pick one. Um, You'll skew the results. I'll skew the results if I push? If you if you push. Yeah. This is Boy, all going I, into a computer right now. I guess salty. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. Which is interesting because you went fruits. Now you go salty. A lot of people do this. A lot of people do this because I do believe it's kind of a push question, but we like to know morning or night. Oh, I'm a nighttime guy. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I'm very angry at you that it's 9 a.m. or it was 9 a.m. I think you picked the time, didn't you? Or did I? I, I well, you gave me a pretty narrow list, like <laughs> nine to 10. And now, and, and by the way, like this is going to be a two day event. <laughs> I've rambled on way too long. All right, go ahead. So, uh, but you, but it's been awesome. I don't know. I've 
thoroughly enjoyed so far. Uh, favorite comedy movie of all time? Midnight Run. Nice. That is a good movie. Midnight uh, Run might be one of the best five movies of all time, regardless yeah. of genre. It's it, No it, one talks about fun. it. It's unbelievable. For the yeah. 18 people who are watching this, find a way to watch Midnight we'll watch Run. Because we'll if you haven't watched it, you haven't lived. Uh, big party or small gathering? Uh, probably small gathering. Okay. Phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom? <laughs> I guess more often, no phone in the bathroom. Come on. That's not to say that's not to say the phone isn't in the bathroom, but we're not getting that specific. Phone's I'm just going by volume. People, I'm going by volume. So many people say no. And the the, the phone to me is is the member in the bathroom there used to be like whatever, mad magazine and like, you know, good housekeeping and like magazines and books I to had, read. No, I had the NHL guide and record book. <laughs> there I you was go. City, bud. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So now that's what our telephones are. I think people that say anyways. Uh, uh only a few questions left. Favorite love song of all time. Uh, I'm assuming you're going like power ballad. It's up to you. So yeah, I mean, I would go probably go power ballad there. I'd probably say patience. GNR. Yes. That is a good one. That is a good close. One. I mean, we've got tonight by Seeger is right there, but yeah, I'd go patience. See, I know you're a uh, music guy. Cause you talk about music on the broadcast. Like you're a music oh, guy. Yeah. So, those are good tunes. Second last question. Cake or pie? Pie. Pie. Last question. Cherry pie. Cherry pie. Which is Warrant. Which is a song. Warrant. Warrant. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Describe your relentless podcast experience in four words. You can either put that into a four-word sentence or four however you want. Well, first of all, four-word sentence would be tough, especially for the likes of me. Yeah. I would say thought-provoking. That's two. Yeah. <laughs> With a hyphen in there. Uh, yeah, I would say thought-provoking. I, I would go thought-provoking and somewhat lengthy. That's because of me, not you. Okay. I I always say, hey, I don't have much time, but then I prattle on endlessly. So that actually is is that could be on my epitaph, thought provoking and somewhat lengthy. And I, hey, it would make sense. If you're in a hurry, a conversation with me doesn't really work. I just now swallowed water the wrong way, which means I'm a little coffee here. Hang on for one second. <laughs> Oh my That's gosh. something I how, hope we don't see how, in slow motion on how, the podcast. Look out, eh? How unprofessional is that? Jeepers yeah. creepers. But hey, you know what? We got to keep going. We're live here. We're not well, we're coming. All right. Plow through it. Plow through it. Okay, Jack, I thank you so much. Let me t let me end it this way. Um you probably do not realize this and and even when I say this you're going to go no. Um because you are a humble guy. 
Your voice is important to many people in this world. And let me tell you why it's important to me. Through a very, very, very difficult time in my life, uh, your voice was still calling the Oilers games and it actually brought comfort to me. It somehow gave me an escape from the worst thing that I was going through. And I know I can say that for my wife and for my oldest son in particular. And your voice is important for sure to, to us, but I know that it's important to other people because there's, there's some comfort in it. I was lucky enough to grow up in Edmonton during the heyday of the 84, the 85, the 87, the 88, and the 1990 Stanley Cup championships and all the other awesomeness that was that team for the 80s and into the, into the 90s. And it is a very special thing to, to listen to um, – Go back and you know you, you you hear Rod Phillips calling those those you know. I am so excited, and I believe it's going it's coming sooner than later. That's my take, that we are going to hear your voice, calling a Stanley Cup championship for the Amazon Oilers. And I got to tell you, I'm pumped. I I am so excited that you're going to be the guy that does it. I want to thank you for how good you are at what you do, but also that you're kind enough to come on here and give some guy who you don't even know an hour and a half of your time. It's appreciated. I know you're a community guy. I'm hopeful that you'll come to the comedy nights again. I'm hopeful. How about this? Let's just offer Louie up for a lunch or something. You don't even, you don't have to do it. Just let's offer Louie up for fun. Uh, but I just appreciate you, man. I really do. You're a relentless guy and your voice is, is a big part of a lot of our lives. So thank you very much. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I obviously, uh, if the schedule allows, and we got lucky enough with that comedy night where it kind of fell in between a spot where we could come, uh, I, I'd, I'd love to uh, join you again. And, and you know, in all honesty, I mean, Kyle, I, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I, I've done a, a few events recently that kind of bring to mind why I try to avoid some of the tired cliches. Uh, you know, I did little warriors, mm. uh, two days ago. I did special Olympics Edmonton yesterday mm. and I'm doing your podcast today. And I, I do, I try to stay away from stuff like courage and, and things like that because, uh, I, I think unfortunately, uh, we run into people and we run into experiences that, that demonstrate what those words really mean as opposed to bringing them into the rather trivial world of sports. So I would tell you that, uh, you know, as a fellow parent, I cannot begin to imagine what you've been through. Uh, but I would tell you that the fact that you've come out on the other side um, reveals all those characteristics that we sometimes uh, misappropriate toward professional athletes. I appreciate those kind words and your generosity. Jack, Michaels, I hope that uh, when when I see you next in public, it won't be like you and Messier, where, I, <laughs> where I'm going to have to go. I won't give you where, the Heisman. Go, I promise. Yeah. I won't give you the Heisman. <laughs> where I'm going to go, hi, Jack, it's Kyle. Do you remember me? Uh, uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, and, and sometimes that is necessary with me. I just – the reason I tell that story is just to reveal how stupid I can be sometimes. And I think uh, that's an awesome story, though. You're oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and 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 honestly, like, yeah. I mean, Messier is chuckling, thinking, like, really, like, I, I've met you, like, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of funny. But it, again, 
the point of that story is, in, in addition to revealing how dumb I can be, is to <laughs> show you how d- down to earth the people uh, that I'm fortunate enough to run across are. Folks, easy to find Jack Michaels on uh, on the socials and 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 all this stuff because he's uh you just literally have to look him up. He's a he's a pretty uh, well known guy, especially in this part of the world. Uh, to find more information on You Can Youth Services, you go to www.youcan, that's Y-O-U-C-A-N.ca, and you can find me uh, really just on Twitter, uh, at Kyle Dubay. Thanks for listening, everybody, and Jack, thanks again for being relentless and being on our podcast. Cheers, brother. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.